celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Judy, you have booked a doozy of a show once again. Thank you so very much for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. On this week's show, Brian Jones. He's no stranger to animal radio. He's an audiologist. He studies audio or he plays with audio. I think he actually calls himself a psychic. And he listens to audio and looks for hidden messages in audio, especially when it relates to your pets, your dogs, your cats. What are they saying? Because he thinks he hears things that they might be saying and trying to tell you. Huh. So we'll find out more about that coming up before the show ends today. Also, get this. An orthopedic surgeon gives up his job, and I understand that pays pretty well, an orthopedic I, surgeon. Yeah, I would think so. Gives up his job mm. to start a nonprofit organization for animals, and he flies on a plane, little plane. He flies animals all across the country, taking them from where they can't find a home to places where they can find a home. Awesome. And so far, he's delivered... 10,000 animals all across the country. Whoa. We're going to talk to him That's before awesome. the, the end of the show today right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on, Lori? Hey, guess what? No surprise, but uh, I have come up with yet another airline that has made a change to their emotional support animal policies, and it has been dramatically whittled down the list of animals that will now be allowed to fly as ESA. So we'll tell you all about it. Oh, exciting news. Well, maybe not. You ready, Dr. Deb, to take a call? I am. Let's go to it. Hey, Janice. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Good. Where are you today? Well, I'm in St. Louis. St. Oh, listening on KTRS. Thank you so much. What's going on? Well, I have an elderly arthritic cat, and I'm giving it um, glucosamine, chondroitin, and MSM, and also something called arthroinix, and that's supposed to be homeopathic, but so far... I'm not having much luck with either, and I wonder what else I could do. Is there anything natural I can go with? Well, it sounds like you're already kind of tapping into it. And can you repeat again? Because that kind of went by fast. I missed some of what you said about what you were Gl- giving. Glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM. Okay. I started with those, and then I, uh, I'm doing, still doing those, and then I started arthroionex about, about two weeks ago. And really, you're supposed to give it about... Uh, four to six weeks, but and and the cat. I I have to say the cat is moving around a little more. It's crying a little bit less, but it's still lumping. Okay, and have we been to the vet? Have they done X-rays? No, I I really didn't want to do X-rays. I'm sure that's what's going on with it. Well, I mean, definitely in some cases, that that's certainly possible. Um, but there are other things that can cause limping. Um, so I would just want to make sure we aren't going down the wrong pathway. So um, most cats do tolerate x-rays fairly easily. So it would be. Now, which um, which area are we dealing with? Are we back end, front end? It's hips. The hips. Okay. All righty. So, and, and I do see a fair amount of cats that do have hip dysplasia. So that isn't uh, too uncommon. I think it's about under 10%, but somewhere around 6 7% of cats can actually have hip dysplasia. Um, so, so, yeah, that definitely, um, we can use things like if you've ever heard of um, Adequan, um, that can be used. It, it is an injection form of a 
um, building block. Um, it's called polysulfated glycosaminoglycans. Um, we use it in dogs, but we can use it also in cats, and it's also used in horses. And that's an injection um, that can be given on a, a protocol that can be helpful. Um, the glucosamine is certainly, you know, I think the standby as far as a lot of one of the natural things or the, you know, kind of more well-accepted um, nutritional supplements. Um also can look at things like SAME, S-A-M-E, um, as a um, antioxidant um, to help decrease inflammation as well. Um, and then the next thing is um, with cats, we have to be a little sparing, but we can look at um, other types of pain relievers. Uh, the non-steroidal pain relievers, they don't really tolerate super well. So they can't take aspirin, it'll kill them. Can't take Tylenol, it'll kill them. Um, so um, there are prescription uh, non-steroidal pain relievers that we can use if we're having a bad bout. Um, okay. So that's why before we talk about, you know, uh, getting into some of those things, you know, I like to make sure we're, we've got a solid diagnosis and, you know, solid blood work and that we're a good candidate for that. The well, other I big never, thing. I never thought about hip dysplasia. I didn't even know cats got that. I knew dogs did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other real common thing I see in cats that sometimes we don't see until they're older is they can actually have uh, kneecap problems. So um, they can rupture ligaments in their knee, like the cruciate ligament, but they can also have a patellar luxation. And um, sometimes as they get older, they get a little arthritic or maybe getting excess weight um, can really kind of make all of those things worse. So for for cats, um, in fact, the other day I just had a cat with um, hip dysplasia and um, they were reporting the typical bunny hopping gate. So most dogs and cats run right, left, right, left, right, left, and uh, front and back legs go kind of in that order. If we notice that the back legs always move together as if we're a rabbit, that's an indicator that we could be having hip problems. Um, and that's exactly what the cat I saw was doing, was doing this bunny gait, and they just thought it was cute. <laughs> and it was actually a symptom of hip problems. So, um, Excuse me, what was that? He doesn't do that. He walks normal but limp. Okay. All right. Um, and then, so I mentioned a little bit about weight. That's another huge factor. So if your kitty's a little tubby around the middle, um, weight loss is actually one of the best things you can do to help minimize the need for pain relievers or giving things. And and I think, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, we talk about natural supplements. There's a lot of things we can give, but we have a cat here. So we have to really kind of think reality. How many things are we going to be able to get in your cat orally. Some cats are really amenable to liquids or tablets um, or some of the different like uh, powdered glucosamines that you can give in the food. But um, there, there is the point of where we want to have that cat and we still want to have that bond with the kitty. And if they're always getting medications, then that can really be a downer um, for both sides of that relationship. So um, I, I think that's one thing you got to look at as well. And uh, I would really encourage you to get her looked at so that we can get a little bit better idea what we're up against and um, you know, what our options are, make sure we don't need to do something else to address that. The other big thing I do see a lot with pets, cats in particular that have arthritis problems is they have issues using the litter box. So they don't always like to go to the litter box because they actually may be hurting from their joint problems or um, arthritis, wherever it may be. So they actually relate that pain to being in the litter box. So we may have a cat that poops near the box. Um, gets the idea, but just doesn't spend time covering their waist in the box, and they want to get the heck out of there. So that's definitely um, one other thing history-wise I might ask you to kind of look at and see. Well, he's not doing that either. <laughs> he goes in okay. his box. 
Well, good. Well, that's good. But uh, yeah, I, I'd but encourage I you get back into the X-ray, and I I never thought about hip dysplasia. Mm-hmm. Probably should go yeah. to the vet and just uh, get her checked out. You know. Okay. Thanks for your call, Janice. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you for listening on KTRS in St. Louis. We love you guys. And uh, let's see, which one, Judy? We're going to Donna. Hi, Donna. Hi, how are you? Very good. How are you doing today? Where I'm, you, I'm where, good. Where are you calling from? From Hernando, Mississippi. Hernan- it's about 15 miles south of Memphis. I just love your southern drawl. <laughs> Isn't it cute? I uh, love it. <laughs> well, Donna, how can we help you today? I have the good doctor, Dr. Debbie White, here. Well, uh, I have a bulldog who is a year and a half, and she has what the specialist has told me is cyclic alopecia. She has hair loss on both sides. One side is worse than the other. Um, She's not my first bulldog, and so when she first started losing her hair, I wasn't too alarmed because I went through this with another bulldog, and it turned out to be food allergy. Um, However... um, they don't seem to think that's what her problem is. Um, we are on a food diet right now, doing a hypoallergenic diet. Um, okay. But the vet really didn't give me much hope for her hair growing back. And I just wondered, is there? are you familiar with anything that might help or know of anything else I might could do? Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and you're talking about cyclical or what we call seasonal flank alopecia, which is basically... Exactly kind of a smooth hair loss that happens on the sides and it's usually you know even on both sides right. it tends to happen at certain times of the year and it, the trick is and you kind of got to some of this with the food allergy is that this can look like a lot of different skin diseases so it's kind of a diagnosis by exclusion so we try to eliminate all those other possibilities and what I'll usually do is do skin scrape testing looking for mites um, we'll do um, a testing for hormone problems, thyroid disorders, adrenal gland. Uh, we even do skin biopsy, and that's usually the way that we kind of rule out those other possibilities. So I don't know how much of that kind of work was done with your baby there. They um, they have ruled out a thyroid. They did some blood work, and they did do okay. the skin scraping and have ruled out any kind of mite or, you know, okay. anything like that. So um, I just kind of wanted to get your input and see if there was anything else you're aware of that I could do. Okay, yeah, and I'd say in the back of my mind, I'd, I'd probably still like to get a skin biopsy because it's going to give us the best answer with with more certainty that that's what we got. Um, right. And that can be done fairly easily in many cases with just a local anesthetic. We just take small little skin biopsies, so it's not necessarily an anesthetic type thing. Okay. So th- that would be best. Now, if it is the seasonal alopecia, there, I have had some dogs have good results with melatonin, and what generally um, we'll treat with that for about three months, and given it really once a day to twice a day, depending on the dog's size and the dose that we end up using, um, but in many cases, that can help, um, but the magic is, once we treat with that, you can expect next year that the hair loss is going to happen again so if we do have that cycle and a pet responds to melatonin i'll tend to restart that the next year uh, shortly before we expect those signs to occur so um that is um that is one thing you can definitely try but otherwise you know it's kind of an aesthetic problem it's just the way it looks so they're (laughs) they're not bothered by it so you know as far as treating it 
you know, a lot of folks will just put shirts on their dogs and kind of give them doggy clothing to kind of hide the little embarrassing spots. Um, right. But that might yeah. be something you could try with with okay. that route is see how that goes. And, um, you know, certainly you can talk to your vet a little bit more about the dosage, which might be appropriate for your dog there. Okay. Thanks for your call, Donna. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. And hopefully you're joining us along with Fido Friendly for the Get Your Licks on Route 66 Adoption Tour when it comes to your city. This weekend, we are in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the PetSmart at 10428 Coors Bypass Road in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You want to find out where we're going to be and spin the wheel because we bring the wheel wherever we go. Okay, and you spin this wheel, you make a donation first, and it goes to the local shelter. And when you spin the wheel, you get a prize from one of the lovely sponsors that are sponsoring this Get Your Licks on Route 66 tour. Uh, The whole tour information, where we're going to be next, over at FidoFriendly.com. And hit the badge over there that says Get Your Licks on Route 66. Uh, Coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to talk to the good doctor. He is a doctor. He's an orthopedic surgeon, but now he's a pilot, and he flies animals all across the country to homes you know he takes them out of the southern part of our country which has a lot of shelters high kill shelters he takes them out of these kill shelters and brings them up north to places where they can get adopted awesome he's on the way in just a few there are some wonderful people out there there are it really amazes me that he quit his orthopedic surgeon job to do this which i'm sure is uh pays Mm -hmm. a little more but he probably finds this more rewarding i bet hey violet how are you doing fine how are you good where are you calling from today uh, California over in Arcadia. Over in Arcadia. Okay. What's going on? What's uh, the animals okay? I have okay? a puppy here I'm babysitting, uh-huh. and they're actually, he's, she's actually eating poop. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Yummy stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I catch her every single time. Yeah. Is she eating her own poop or other dogs' poop? Other dogs' poop. <laughs> And so she's not your dog? She's just in no, your care for some mine, time? No. I have her for two months. Oh, okay. 
All right. Well, you got a little time. You can work with this. Um, and eating poop is definitely a very normal behavior that dogs have. So uh, we have to remember our dogs are not some kind of weirdos. This is actually a normal behavior that the mother dog does when she has little newborns. Um, they, she has to lick and clean their backsides and ingest their urine and feces. So that's kind of what they have to do to stimulate them and also to keep those predators away and keep all those signals away from those predators. So um, the trick is... Uh, um, there is no single trick. <laughs> a lot of a lot of it gets down to supervision and redirecting attention to other things. So for me, it's all about exhausting a puppy, not letting them get bored, and hanging out around the stool. So pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, um, and definitely supervise the dog when they're out in the potty area. Um, but really, we have to exhaust dogs, get them tired, and if she does go run into the poop i don't make a big deal about it i just kind of redirect i carry a squeaky toy and go squeaky 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 and i make the dog follow me um so for me that's kind of my big thing and how i like to manage that and then just not chasing them uh, because that definitely will make the game more fun she's funny she's a little shih tzu but she's cute as a button (laughs) but we're seeing them have go to town on it (laughs) They do. There's something just delightful. And, you know, cat poop is even better. So uh, I guess mm-hmm. you should be thankful it's just the dog poop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad, yeah. Yeah, because my friend just went through something else with her dogs, and I told her to call the emergency. Oh, my. Yeah, they got a hold of Roach Motel. Roach. Oh. Yeah, and I told her, you know, you got to call them. I, I, I got to call them. <laughs> Violet, stay in touch with us, okay? I know you will. Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by Red Barn. That, of course, is your dog's favorite treat company. Now in the kibble business with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings because your dog loves meat. And, well, you know, Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. That's RedBarn.com with the promo code ANIMALRADIO. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, it's Alan Cable with today's dog tip. Last time we talked about picking a smart puppy out by using his attention span. That is, how long can he focus on one thing before becoming distracted? The longer, the better. If you've got your eye on a particular dog or puppy, here's a couple of other tests you can do that go a little bit further than just measuring how long a dog can focus. Usually a puppy under four months that can focus on any one thing for longer than 10, 15 seconds is pretty smart. Now that you've established that the dog you're interested in can do that, here's a couple of other little tests. Have somebody hold him on a leash, and right in front of his face, take a dog treat and put it under a coffee can or a soup can. A smart dog will know right away that the treat is still there even though he can't see it. Knock the can over with his nose or paw and go at it. Just so you know, we put my uncle through this test. He ate the can. If the dog you want completes the coffee can test successfully, here's another one you can do to take it a step further. Now with your friend holding the dog on a leash, take the treat, show it to the dog, then put your hands behind your back and make two fists so that the treat is now concealed. Now put the two fists back in front and let the puppy or dog pick which hand your treat is in. 
Now, the last part of this test is what separates Beethoven from the idiots that are always trying to catch him in the movie. And I'll just tell you, most likely, if the dog is younger than four months, he or she probably won't be able to complete this part of the test. Well, what the heck, give it a whirl anyway. Same thing, hands behind your back, but drop the treat behind you, then bring both of your closed hands in front of you again. Most likely, the dog's going to sniff both of your hands. Then you can open both of them up to reveal the treat is gone. Where'd it go? A real smart dog is going to put it together. Or he's going to use his nose to search for the treat. And an extremely intelligent dog is going to want to walk behind you to get the treat that he knows is there. This is Abstract Thought for a Dog and the cast of Jersey Shore. Next time, we'll talk about what a dog needs to be well-adjusted, happy, and secure. And believe it or not, love isn't number one. This is Animal Radio. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. This is Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. We always try to keep you up to date, as you know, on the latest about how pets are being impacted with all of the changes in airline policies these days concerning pets on airplanes. So let me tell you, Southwest Airlines has announced it will now only allow dogs and cats on flights as emotional support animals, and uh, they must be accompanied by a doctor's note. So don't even try calling to get a ticket for your your peacock, your goose, or any of those other crazy animals that we've seen on airplanes, at least for Southwest, because they're not going to take them. Furthermore, each passenger on Southwest, they say, can now only bring one emotional support animal on board, and that animal has to be in a carrier or on a leash at all times. So that is what is new on Southwest for emotional support animals. But the airline has also gone a step beyond and says it will only accept dogs, cats, or miniature horses as trained service animals. Those would be animals that are uh, guide dogs and things like that. In fact, in releasing a statement on the changes, Southwest said, for the health and safety of our customers and employees, unusual or exotic animals will not be accepted. There's a, a man in South Carolina who's in some trouble with the law. In fact, he's wanted on a larceny charge now. After he stole a red boa constrictor from a pet store, And we've had a similar story before, and it's the same thing. By shoving the snake down his pants. What is it with people? Uh, Police said that uh, security camera footage actually recorded this man, estimated to be somewhere between 35 and 40 years old. He walked into the store late last month and headed straight to the area where the snakes are kept. 
Well, the store owner told police he heard a noise. He thought it was kind of weird, but it was probably something like a rat moving inside of a cage. But then the suspect started to act rather suspiciously and hurriedly ran out of the store. The store owner quickly reviewed the security camera footage and indeed saw the man shoving that red tail boa constrictor snake down his pants. That takes a lot of huevos to stuff a, a snake down your pants. No I wouldn't kidding. do that. Oh, you know, I wonder if it was pre-planned and maybe he had some kind of pouch or something in his pants to to actually put it in instead of just leaving it loose. Um, I, I, you know, I could make Commando. so many comments. I mean, that's just crazy. I'd be afraid of being bitten. I mean, my gosh. Yeah, so he, that, I guess that's why he ran out of the store, maybe to get it out as quickly as he put it in. Yeah. And uh, times sure are changing these days in a good way for animals. Uh, Minneapolis Marketing Company now offering employees fraternity leave, which is um, a new company-wide policy for this company, allowing employees to work flexible hours from home for an entire week when they get a new puppy or kitten that they're taking in. Uh, the owner of the company says, well, part of embracing employee satisfaction means recognizing things that are important life events to employees that happen outside of the office. And by the way, that policy was inspired by an employee at the firm who had asked for this exact thing, a week of flexible hours when he got a new dog back in May. It went over so well that now everybody gets the benefit. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And joining us on Skype right now is Dr. Peter York. Hi, doctor. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. And it's Rourke with an R. Rourke. Okay. What kind of doctor are you? Yeah. Uh, orthopedic surgeon. For humans. <laughs> uh, for for humans. Of course, I, I quit medicine about six years ago when I started my nonprofit to rescue dogs and cats. So it's been a been a couple of years since I've been in the operating room. So let me get this straight. You quit your job as an orthopedic surgeon to create a nonprofit organization for animals. Uh, that's correct. I had been in orthopedics for over 30 years. There, there were laws that were changing, and I was just getting a little fatigued. I, oh. I had, a tra- had a tragedy in my, in my life. My wife uh, died suddenly, oh. and... Uh, she had a cardiac arrest and fell mm. into a coma, and I had her at home for about 10 days before she passed. And wow. really, that, that just, it broke me, and I, I just couldn't go back to medicine after that. Oh, okay, okay. That, it makes more sense now. Now, tell us about the organization you created. You get to fly. I love flying, and you have your own uh, caravan, Cessna Caravan. Is that correct? That's correct. We started with a Cessna stationaire. It's a 206, a, a piston engine, six-seater. And uh, quick, we were flying about 1,000 animals a year with that, and but quickly outgrew that. You transport animals from one shelter to another shelter? Yeah. Our, our, we, always, we only transport from a nonprofit to nonprofit. We only transport from a kill facility to a non-kill. 
facility. And uh, we never charge the senders. We never charge the receivers. We uh, rely strictly on public donations. So how many dogs have you transferred so far? Uh, over 10,000. Holy so moly. And over how yeah. many years? Uh, I've been at this full time for six years now. So these animals wouldn't get adopted at the shelters that they're at currently? So you'd move them to shelters where they have a better chance of adoption? That's exactly right. I mean, the facilities, and we get our animals out of West Texas, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, and the Central Valley of California. And some of these places have a kill rate of up to 80%. And so these folks are desperate to move these animals out. And, And they really have only three choices. They can either adopt them out, they can transport them, uh, or they euthanize them, sadly. And the, the facilities that are nearby are kind of in the same boat that they are. So it's not as if they can drive them two hours away and find a new home. They have to move them very large distances. And so they'll, they'll load up a van and they'll drive 12, 14 hours with these dogs and cats in the back. And and as you know, you don't let the dogs out to pee every three hours. Once they're in the crate, they're in the crate until they get to, to their destination. So what dog is my co-pilot affords these uh, facilities is that we can greatly expand the geographic area where these dogs can be moved. And it seems that the farther north you get, if you draw a line between Denver and Salt Lake City, the farther north you get, the more there is a need for for dogs. And they they understand the spay and neuter laws. They enforce them. You don't see dogs running you know, free in the street or in packs. Uh, and then the farther south you get from that line, the worse it is. So our typical flight, my, my typical flight would be would last three or four days. So I'll fly down to Hobbs, New Mexico and spend the night. And then I'll load up the aircraft with dogs from Hobbs and Roswell and I'll fly them to Denver and Salt Lake City. And then I'll scoot down to Phoenix and spend the night. There are only two concerns that that I have, and that's, you know, the weather issues and and funding. Yeah. Well, what about the funding? Who pays for this? Well, we get about uh, two thirds of our funding from outside sources, from donations. And um, the other third comes out of my pocket. Wow. I salute you. I am amazed. I mean, it sounds like a fun gig. Got to tell you that. (laughs) I've been flying for almost 50 years. Next year, it'll be 50 years that I've been a pilot. I I worked my way through medical school as a pilot. Oh, wow. And... um, so really, for the flying part, the thrill is gone. Uh, but I have the the time, I have the abilities, and I have the resources. And I've always been a dog person. I've always been kind of a big dog person. I've always had dogs. A rescue is my favorite breed, and it's uh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I mean, the and the folks who are in Roswell and Hobbs and Las Cruces and I mean all the cities down to the south. I mean, they're incredibly grateful. Uh, for for the work that uh, this organization does and helping them transport the animals. Awesome. Is there a website where people can learn more and maybe even donate? Um, yeah, both, actually. Um, I mean, charity begins at home. I mean, it's just go by your local shelter and donate first. These people really could use the help. If you have anything left over, you can go to Doug as my co-pilot. We could use the help as well. 
our website is www.dogcopilot.org. There's no hyphen in it, just one word, Dog Copilot. And we have a Facebook page, Dog is My Copilot, Inc., and Kara is very active in posting photos of, of our rescue flights, and I'll shoot videos during during the flights and send them to Kara, and she'll put them up. Okay, we'll put links to the website over at animalradio.pet. Dr. Rourke, thank you so much for spending time, and thank you so much for what you're doing. Yeah, happy to help, and um, thank you for your listeners, and uh, go by your local shelter and you know, and adopt a dog, or better yet, adopt two, because <laughs> they keep each other company. And, and remember that every animal you save saves two, the one that you save and the one that takes its place. Yes. Okay, yes. that is important to remember. Good math. I like that math. This is Animal Radio, baby. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Start your dog's daily dental routine with Red Barn's new dental treats, Chewables. Thoughtfully designed with ridges and grooves to help control plaque and tartar buildup in between your dog's dental vet visits. Chewables are natural, easily digestible, and your dog will love them. Red Barn Chewables, the tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Learn more at redbarn.com today. Use the promo code ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And let's go to Robert. Hey, Robert. Hey, how are you? Good. What's going on? Well, I have this cat that won't eat for about seven days and all it'll eat is grass. It keeps wanting to get out in the front yard to eat the grass, and it, it wants to, uh, it, if I put, I've tried every food possible, and the only food it'll lick is the wet food, the, mm, okay. you know, yeah. with the juice, it'll, it'll lick the juice. I went to this vet, and she gave me this stuff for vomiting, the sir, sir something, I don't know why she gave me that, the cat isn't vomiting. Okay. So, how old is your kitty? Uh, about 10 years old. Ten years it's not old. Really okay. My cat. I I uh, adopted it from the pound. Okay. So she's eating grass. You say she's not vomiting. Not vomiting. She doesn't have diarrhea. So all the stools and everything. All everything checked out. Uh, the vet made a whole list of stuff that's checked mm-hmm. out. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. good. The weight. She's a little overweight, and that was about it. The only thing she, she wrote down. Okay. So did they do any kind of tests? And she called me and said, the blood work's all right. But I don't know why she... I said, well, why are you giving me this this uh, stuff with... It starts with a C for uh, vomiting. Probably, yeah, probably Serenia. So you said that she did do blood work. Do you know what kind of content of the blood work was? What what it was checking for? Um, she just said to find out what was, what was wrong mm-hmm. with the cat. Okay. Okay. Well, I can tell you, Robert, it is not normal for cats not to eat seven days. So even though on the outward physical exam, there may not have been anything that was really jumping out as the cause, or even on you know the routine blood work, if there was nothing that showed up, um, we have something serious going on. For a cat not to eat seven days, um, we are already in a state where we can start having some secondary problems. So for cats in general, um, I get very nervous if they're not eating within 72 hours, within three days. And the reason is, no matter what the cause of them not wanting to eat, 
um, they can actually go into a form of liver failure from not eating. So you're in kind of a crossroads where I think we need to up the ante here and figure out a little bit more. So and if I had your kitty in front of me, the big things that I'd be looking for would be um, things relating to um, the thyroid. So I'd feel the neck for a possible nodule along the neck area because um, that can cause cats to have problems where they can have some GI symptoms and weight loss and so forth. The other thing would be is, is really focusing on her belly. And it may not be something we can feel or to see on the outward, but sometimes there's some other signs, um, some slightly thickened bowel loops, um, um, may need to do some x-rays to look at that. But um, there's something brewing on with your kitty. And, and I can say that um, I think it's going to take some more looking than just kind of scratching the surface. But I'm afraid you're running out of time. You need to move a little bit faster and get some care for this baby. Now, in example, um, you ask why, you know, the vet may be using this drug called Serenia. It's, it's a medication that is used for nausea, but it also has some nice um, other properties. So we use it for um, inflammation-related problems, and that may be problems like inflammatory bowel disease in cats, which can cause a whole host of symptoms. Not all of them have to be present in every cat, but we could see a cat that's not eating, a cat that's vomiting, a cat that's having diarrhea, or a cat that's just simply losing weight. So that may be her rationale with that, and um, it can help with nausea from a lot There's of a things. a lot of bad information about that uh Thing on the internet that uh, uh, on when you look it up, it, it says, "Oh, my cat died within three days after this vet gave me that medicine." Well, so I got really scared about it. You know, I don't yeah, know if no, that's misinformation I, I, or not. Perhaps um, in some situations, but the problem is when we use medications with unknown health conditions. So in your situation, you have a cat that's not eaten seven days; she's going to die. I can tell you that. I'm not meaning to scare you, but you need to do something more. And Serenia may be something that might help her feel better. But, um, you know, I fear that bad things are going to happen whether you use the Serenia or not because we need to figure out what's going it's on. It's all gone already. There's only four pills. Correct. Yeah. So that's all we use that for is just initially. There's long-term strategies we can use, but I guess my point is, Robert, is um, we have to figure out what's wrong with your cat. And it isn't so much as, you know, I could recommend a lot of medication for a cat that's eating something that's maintaining body weight, taking in their nutrition. But if your cat's not eating anything, um, we don't have the opportunity to play around here. And I can't tell you, you know, the typical things that I'd use for a cat that's not eating well, which might be things like deworming, uh, B vitamin treatment, um, an antibiotic course of therapy. There's things that we can use, but your cat is not a candidate for that. So I, I hope I'm impressing on you the urgency that you need to do something and work more diligently with your veterinarian to try to get the answers here. So I hope I'm not talking too tough for you, but, you know, I, I'm an advocate for animals. And your kitty is, is saying with those symptoms of not eating, there's something really bad going on, and, and we need to figure that out. Well, thank you very much. The vet said she wanted to have some vitamin B12 for me today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and, and that is usually given in an injection form on a weekly basis. Um, there's also a, um oral form, but again, if your kitty's not eating, an oral form may be a hard um, pill for her to swallow, if you will, because, um, you know, it does require a kitty to have a fairly decent appetite, to, you know, to eat something. So, I wish you well, Robert, and I, I hope everything, you know, turns out okay, but, you know, um, you know, I would say please, you know, please say, ask your veterinarian, what do I need to do to figure out, or what do you need <laughs> to your doc to, to figure this out so that we can get in the right course of action here? Okay. Right. okay. I'm, at, I'm at the mercy of the vet that I'm going to. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe you need well, another vet not, if they're not giving you the no, answers you need. And, and I'm going to say, you're never at the mercy of 
your veterinarian. You are, it's a teamwork approach. Then I have to get a second opinion. That's why I called you. Right. And I'm telling you, either go back to your vet and say, hey, I want to find the answers or find another vet. But there's nobody that's going to be able to look at your cat, fix the not eating without getting into the nitty gritty. So this is where working with your veterinarian is a teamwork approach. And, um, you know, there are no victims that are uh, pet owners in my office because it's something we work cooperatively. You know, we have maybe finances we work with or certain family situations we work with. But always it should be you and the veterinarian working together to find the answers what's the best for your pet's care. So I, I hope you find that, and I, and I certainly hope your kitty gets that care. So thank you for your call. This is Animal Radio. Your dog loves meat. That's why they'll love the new line of Red Barn Dry Dog Food. The first five ingredients in each Red Barn recipe are meat, fish, or poultry. Sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. The added functional ingredients make Red Barn Dry Dog Foods the perfectly balanced meal for your best friend. Available in land, ocean, and sky recipes. Your dog loves meat. We love your dog. Head to RedBarn.com to use the promo Animal Radio for 10% off your first bag. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. What would your pet say to you if they could talk to you in English? What would they say? Would you even want to hear what they have to say to you in English? I got enough people oh, talking yes. to me. You, would, you do? You do? You'd want to know what they're saying? I mean, that's fine. I would. Yeah, okay. Dr. Debbie, would you want to know what your animals are? I guess you're in a kind of a doctor situation. It'd be kind of nice if the animals came in and spoke English <laughs> and told would. you what was. You know, I'll take it at the office. I would definitely appreciate the insight. But at home, I already get that kind of like teenager stare from boss. It's like a kind of like... F you, mom. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't think that I would really want to know what he's thinking or wanting to say to me. I'm with you for the exact same reasons. I'm fearful I would get rejected by my animals. I'm just going to assume that they like me right now. But uh, coming up before the end of the show, within this next hour, we're going to talk to Brian Jones. He is no stranger to animal radio. He came on last time, at least, and he had a bunch of recordings, and he, he said that these recordings of certain animals sounded like certain English phrases. That they were trying to tell us something. Yeah. He thinks, uh, well, he's an animal, he's an audio psychic, so he thinks that, uh, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to cast any delusions right now, <laughs> cast any dispersions <laughs> on this. Uh, I'm just going to let you decide for yourself whether or not our animals can talk to us in English, and that's coming up before the end of the hour, right here on Animal Radio. We're going to go to the phones in just a second, and don't forget, the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry, it's free. You can ask your questions right from the app, and you can also get recall notifications as soon as they happen. It's a free download. Download it now. Dr. Debbie, you want to go to which which line do you want to go to? I want to go to the number two. Okay. Greg, Sheila, Greg, Sheila, 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 Sheila. Yes. Sheila, yes. how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Where are you calling from? Uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay, you're on with Dr. Debbie. Well, hi. Well, welcome to the show, Sheila. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, my husband has a cat, an adult cat, that we acquired about two years ago. And she sleeps on the end of the bed at night. But about 4 o'clock every morning, she decides that she wants to wake up. But she wants everybody to wake up. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> she, she will jump up and down from the floor to the end of the bed, pouncing hard, harder, harder, mm-hmm. continuously until you get up with her. She does not want you to hold her. She's not wanting you to pet her. She's not wanting you to feed her. She just wants what does she want? Get, she wants you to get up with her. Okay. <laughs> We're not laughing at you. We're laughing, no. laughing with you. Yeah. No, it's I think not as, funny. No, it's not funny. <laughs> no, as cat owners, I think many of us have been through this. And I can tell you, I struggled with it with my, my own kitties. Um, and the challenge is, once you get up and do anything, you're rewarding that desire right. for interaction. Yes. So yes. no matter what you do, you're actually saying, okay, you got me up, and here we are. So I chase you down the hall, uh, lock you in another room, I give you food. Um, any of those actions, you're rewarding. So the trick is to not get into that position in the first place. Mm-hmm. So um, what I had to do with my kitties, because I had the same thing, I had a cat that sat on my head like a, a, uh, like a raccoon cap and would purr uh-huh, and would just uh-huh. keep me awake. So what I had to do was shut those bedroom doors and um, put earplugs in uh, because the hollering began. Um, but that was how I had to establish that I need a sleep pattern that is important to me. And I love my kitties, but they couldn't disrupt that sleep. How, how long did you uh, do that before they respected that? Have they respected that? Um, you know, I would say a month to a couple months. <laughs> but there's some ways that we can help help that process. And the one thing that I would definitely recommend, if, if you're doing this process of getting them to establish to not come into the bedroom, I like mm-hmm. to give them something to do. And at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, whatever the witching hour is for your kitty, I would get an automatic cat feeder set up, uh, preferably in another area of the house far away from the bedroom, mm-hmm. and set that up with a dry food or treat dispenser so mm-hmm. that when that time comes, there's food that is released. She that will take that. Y- She has it. She wants you to get up and stir it. She wants something. <laughs> She's a, you know, when I, she doesn't, now, when I'm home by myself and my husband is gone, she very rarely wakes me up because mm-hmm. when she wakes me up, I pick her up, I shove her out the kitty door, and I lock it, uh-huh. period. And she knows that's what I'm going to do. When yeah. Greg is home, he said he get up, and he might sit on the couch, or he'll go stir her food, whatever. Uh-huh. So I'd say the parenting uh-huh. skills, we have to get in, gra- in, in agreement uh-huh. on. <laughs> so. uh, you're uh... Your cat has your number there, and you know what? We we suffer the same thing here. We we have the exact. Judy's looking at me like yeah. I would do something like that, but I would never do anything like that. I would never let the cat out or get up or play with it at three uh-huh. in the morning. Uh-huh. Anything like you get up every morning around four o'clock. Uh huh. So uh, and and you can get some of these patterns turned around. And if okay. you do normally leave food out at all times of the day, then I would encourage you to take that up and just okay. leave the only food access the one that opens at that time at 4 a.m. So if she has food out elsewhere, it's not a big deal that this other automatic timer is going off and that it's becoming available. So you have to take away the food at the other times of the evening. So So it might ruin your sleep at midnight or 10 o'clock instead of at 4 (laughs) a.m. Sheila, I would love to send you some world's best cat litter. If you hold on for one second, we get your address and I'll send you a bag of it and you can try it out and see if your cat likes it. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? I'm from West Virginia. What city? It's Charleston. Are you listening on WSCW? 
Squirrelis. You guys, I love you out there. Thank you so much. I love your southern draw. I that, I just get so tickled with the southern draw. But I know you're calling about turtles, right? Right. What's going on? Well, my daughter got this little turtle. It was not bigger than, well, it was a little bit bigger than a quarter when she first got it. Ooh. Okay, but we've had it for like five years now, and it's now probably about the size of a child's baseball mitt. Okay? Mm, wow. Okay. It's grown. Wow. grown. It's really grown. And the problem is my daughter has gotten a back problem where she's having a hard time getting this huge tank that it's in cleaned. Okay. Okay. And what I wanted to know is if there's any way that it can be released without. I mean, I. I mean, we'll keep it and figure out something. But I, what I wanted to know is if they can be released safely. Um, you know, okay. she's been with us for a long time. <laughs> Sure. Now, the thing I'll tell you is the red-eared slider, while it is found, you know, out in the wild and in much of the country, um, it increasingly has become what we call an invasive species. So people take their pet sliders and they get to a point where they can't manage them and they release them into the wild. And they actually can be a huge problem impacting other wildlife, whether it be plant or fish species species, um, or other um, animals competing for the same food source. So we we really don't recommend that. Um and not only that, but there's also diseases we can introduce that might be present in captivity that we can bring to those wild um, turtles. So I, I don't recommend that. What I would say is, you know, if it's no longer possible to keep this turtle in your house, um, you know, I would certainly look into adopting it. Um, yeah, I there are. Yeah, and you can actually check with your, um, if you check for local herpetological societies, there's a lot of, uh, you know, these, believe it or not, there's a lot of reptile lover groups out there. We have them out in, in my Vegas area. And you can get some good um, direction from those individuals on who might um, be able to take the turtle um, or adopt it. Um, so, um, you know, they, well, they have special needs. So Yeah. What about, okay, it's in this a big aquarium, but what? Can they can they be put in um, like a tote or something that's not as heavy, or do they just? I mean, I didn't know if that kind of plastic would hurt the turtle or, you know. You I, said I, in a tote. A tote, like yeah, you, know, you know, like a big tote, a big plastic tote. And it would have more like room. Like a storage tote. I, I, okay. I don't know if they could. Can they get out? I mean, are they? They're not all water, are they? I mean, they don't have to be in the water all the time, do they? Not all the time, but they do need a good amount of water um, yeah. to swim, to feed in, uh, right. you know, to soil in, and then also they'll have to have some area to get out and kind of dry out at times. So in my experience, I find that aquariums are the, the safest way to do that yeah. because we often, um, the plastics don't hold up well. Um, yeah. Also, the height of that does matter because these guys can climb out of their enclosure. Yeah. So you want to make sure you have um, a proper fitting lid with a screen top. And we can't forget that in captivity, we have to meet nature's, um, uh, you know, creation. So we have to provide UV light as well as a heat source, and plastic right. is not going to survive really well with that. Yeah. So um, your, your glass enclosures are going to be the best way you can do that um, and contain, you know, the water and the soiling and all of that. Okay. So, and what was the name of the, the group, Herb, 
what was it that you called the her I would just uh, say herpetological societies. Herpetological. So if you look um, under okay. like herp uh, fanciers, and it okay. basically means um, folks that you know enjoy uh, reptiles of all different sorts. Okay. Well, we love tutu. I mean, we but I mean, just Tonya's getting to where she can't. You know, it's hard for her to clean the tank and stuff. So, but anyway, I sure appreciate your help. Okay. And well, good I luck love with that program. Well, I absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much for listening there in Charleston, West Virginia. We appreciate that. Jerry, call back if you have any further questions. It's funny that she called because this week we've had a kind of at my hospital, we've had a rash of turtles and tortoises really being injured, uh, chewed on by dogs, really um, being run over by cars in the driveway, things like that. So, you know, if you do take on one of these pets, you know, you have to be aware of their environmental needs and and really make sure you have a safe home. They live a long time, don't they? They do. And, you know, sliders can live up to you know 30 40 years um and they can get quite sizable you know up to you know 20 centimeters so they can get pretty darn big and and they can be a bit aggressive too so really you know okay. yeah, aggressive so you have like to watch your f- um just meaning i have one that comes in i think i talked about her before she lays eggs every year and uh, she'll take your fingertip if you get it close <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio Stunt Dog, uses the Brilliant Pad Self-Cleaning Puppy Pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. Delta Dawn, what's that power you have on? Hi, this is Tanya Tucker on Animal Radio. Love those pets. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. I'm Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. There's a Florida couple who doesn't seem to have any need for a piggy bank since their 10-year-old beagle Arnie appears to be more than willing to fill the role of money holder. Corey and Hope O'Kelly tell the Tampa Bay Times their dog has twice swallowed hundreds of dollars in cash. Now, the first incident occurred about seven years ago. Arnie devoured 150 bucks that they left out on a coffee table. The Kellys were able to recover $100 after it passed through the dog's system. Hmm... Was it all in quarters? Anyway, they weren't as lucky when Arnie came back for a second expensive meal last month. They say he took 300 bucks out of Hope's purse and apparently ripped it to shreds before he ate it. But even as a couple tries to piece the bills back together, they say they can't stay mad at Arnie. Corey explains that they're used to the dog being just a little weird, doing kind of quirky stuff. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And if you haven't been over to the Animal Radio website at animalradio.pet lately, it now has Animal Radio highlights. Little yummy bite-sized pieces of Animal Radio. The good parts, the best of Animal. Without all the fluff. No fluff? No fluff, no me yapping no, away. I like no. the fluff. Yeah. Well, you do like the fluff? Hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. 
uh, then you can listen to the regular old show. <laughs> but for those that don't want the fluff. The want to get to the meat of the show right away. Head on over to animalradio.pet and select Animal Radio Highlights. It's also on iTunes and uh, your favorite platform. I think I smell a bulldog fart in here. <laughs> can you tell the difference between a bulldog and a pit bull fart? Um, or you just know they're farts? I, yeah. Because each one smells, has their own smell, right? It's funny, yeah. There's a picture of Dolly right in front of me, and hers used to smell like basement farts. A basement? Musty. <laughs> Musty. Yeah. Ah. See, I can't tell the difference between my cat farts and my dog farts, but I don't think my cat farts as much as my dog does. I would, I would just want to point out it's the ladies that are talking about this. None of the guys in the studio <laughs> oh. are talking about this. Oh, boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. I understand we have Carol on the line. Uh, Harold? Hi, Harold. I, I mixed up Harold and Carol. There, I, there seems to be a very significant difference in this case. Harold, where are you calling from today? I'm in Connecticut today. In Connecticut, you are on with Dr. Debbie. Yeah. Well, hi, Harold. How are you? Doing fine, Dr. Debbie. And this is going to make a big difference with the question from being Harold and Carol. Um, <laughs> I just went in and had my vasectomy done. And it's always a doctor pound puppies and always altered why is it that we castrate dogs and remove the testicles instead of just doing a vasectomy and leaving the hormone producing organs that's a very good question harold do you have a dog of your own uh yes i do okay and he's he neutered oh oh yeah absolutely okay and what kind of dog is he He's just a pound puppy. All righty. The reason we do that in dogs is because we want to minimize the effects of the testosterone, the bad effects, and that namely being that we'll see dogs with uh, high testosterone levels that aren't castrated may have more problems with aggression where they may start more fights, may not be as suited into the hierarchy of the dog in the household uh, family situation. So we want to try to minimize those effects of testosterone. So if we just do a vasectomy, that just kind of makes them not have babies. <laughs> so we want to make sure we still address that hormone problem. And, and also there are some, some other very important things that by when we avoid the testosterone, we remove that source, it, it has a lot of health benefits too. And um, for a dog, if they're not neutered, those testosterone levels stay up high, and they can create some problems with the prostate gland. And this is kind of where the parallels with men come into play, because as men get older, they have a benign prostatic hyperplasia, and that's kind of fed by the testosterone. With dogs, they can get that same thing, but we can actually prevent that by neutering them. And for the most part, they don't complain about it. I'd say more male owners complain about that um, than the pets actually do. What do you think about that, Harold? I was going to say, in that case, I'm glad I went to see my doctor instead of my vet. Probably, <laughs> probably a good idea. We have a different uh, pragmatic look out on, uh, for the veterinary concerns as for the animal concerns because it's really more than population control. We want to address what, what's going to be important to make the pet a healthy, happy family member. And we don't want to throw other things in the mix that might make that difficult for them to be a uh, acclimated pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animal 
Ogden, Utah, a police dog left in a pickup truck with the engine running, knocked the truck into gear, and ran down a woman who was walking to her mailbox. The victim, 41-year-old Mary Stone, suffered a fractured pelvis and tailbone. The police dog, a German shepherd named Ranger, was left in the truck while his handler responded to a domestic disturbance call. Lieutenant Loring Draper said he left Ranger with the truck running so he could have some air conditioning. But Ranger somehow knocked the automatic transmission into drive and ran into Stone before hitting a car in her driveway. Stone was expected to be released from the hospital after a few days, and Ranger is expected to stay out of the driver's seat from now on. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hello, this is Loretta Swift, and I'm on Animal Radio. And please don't forget to stay and neuter. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Each year, it's estimated that more than 40,000 pets die in fires, most dying because of smoke inhalation, because sometimes giving oxygen to animals is not so easy. But luckily, there is an effort underway now by the Project Breathe program. It's run by the company that owns Invisible Fence, and they're trying to equip firefighters and rescue squads with oxygen masks just for pets. Since Project Breathe's inception back in 2006, more than 20. 3,000 masks have been donated to first responders around the country. So if you know of somebody who is a a fireman, firewoman, works on a rescue squad, uh, works down at the station house, let them know that fire department personnel can request a fire mask kit or a respirator mask kit for their station house through the Invisible Fence website. Um, and by the way, the mask kits are, are reusable. They only allow one per, uh, you know, firehouse or fire station. So one kit, because they are reusable, goes a long way in saving a lot of pets' lives. And again, that's the Invisible Fence website. Hmm. Now, if uh, you prefer your pets to be fish, there's more research on how fish can count. I think we talked about this about seven months ago. Uh, <laughs> Because accounting has long been considered a mark of smarter species with higher levels of perceived consciousness. And now scientists have shown that fish 
often considered, you know, near the bottom of the spine species hierarchy, that fish are actually able to discern between quantities, much like their more cognitively complex counterparts like horses and apes. This new research demonstrates, in fact, that more than just the fish's ability to count, they also found that as the food quantities grew larger than four items that they were asking the fish to count, the angelfish in this study were less picky about their choice. They had more to choose from, so they didn't care as much. Now, did you know that fish can recognize their own family members? And contrary to beliefs that were popularized during the Finding Nemo phases, uh, many fish have fantastic memories and are known to avoid hooks for as long as a year after being caught. Wow. that is, They avoid yeah. hooks. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that catch and release program for fishermen isn't such a great thing. For the fishermen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, pet retailers now find themselves armed with more information about how we pet lovers shop. And now, I love this, what times of year we buy services for our critters. This data comes courtesy of Wampli, a small business software company. After analyzing transactions from more than 4,000 local pet businesses on every single day of the year last year in all 50 states. And here's what they found. The average transaction in a local pet services store be it you're going in for food or whatever, um, maybe some grooming, Um, your average transaction is $113.89. Here's a reason yet not to delay your holiday shopping, as Joey had talked about earlier, because December is huge for pet services stores. The top five busiest days of the year are all in December. Three of the top four, in fact, are the days leading up to Christmas Eve. Now, people, we want our pets to look great on the holidays. Three of the top five days for groomers are in the 10 days leading up to Christmas. The other two days are the day before the 4th of July and the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, the top four days for pet grooming businesses, rather pet boarding businesses make that, those come after big holidays. So it must be people either extending stay somewhere or maybe they have families hanging around town so they're um, taking the pets there specifically for this day. But those days that are the busiest days for pet boarding businesses are New Year's Day, Thanksgiving, and Fourth of July. And, Dr. Debbie, for you, the top revenue day for veterinarians across the country. Wait, wait, wait. Does day- anyone want to guess? You want to take a guess here? You know what? I'm, I'm going to say probably after Halloween because of the, they get into the candy. So let's mm. say November 1st. See, I think right after Thanksgiving. Because they get because into the Yeah, that's what I would think. Okay, yeah. one or the other. Right. I was, was going to say before um, when people get taxes. People get taxes. <laughs> After they get you know, their tax refunds back, then oh. uh, they go to the vet. <laughs> well, this that's that's probably true, huh? But this study says that the top revenue day for veterinarians is the day after Easter. But it's another big food holiday, too, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Can you vouch for that? Is it busy over the office the day after Easter? You know, I, I can't say that would jump out in my mind. I yeah, I would tend to say around the holidays, but the, yeah. the winter holidays. Yeah. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, this is Big Ant from Rescue Inc. Remember, spay and neuter your animal and abusers are losers. Now back to Animal Radio. 
You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets toll-free. And we will go back to those phones in just a few minutes for calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani on Animal Radio. Don't forget, by the way, you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. I think I'm getting the cold that Lori had last week. She's oh, recovering. No. Oh, no. And, uh, I noticed you having that Peter Brady kind of, you know... <laughs> and it's time to change. Very good. That's it, Dr. Deb. Uh, anyway, okay. we have uh, on the phone with us, actually via <laughs> Skype, someone who's uh, no stranger to Animal Radio, Brian Jones. He's an audiologist, I guess is what you would call what, what is your official title, Brian? I don't think I have one, but I, I, I've just uh, I've dabbled in a lot of things that I ended up calling audio psychic signals. Uh, audio for, psychic signals. Yes, yeah, so I, I basically use audio recordings to capture uh, information that translates through mysterious ways and uh it found out a long time ago somebody sent me uh, an audio recording of a dog and i don't think they're talking in words but it comes out in words and it's captured by audio recordings so let me get wow. this straight just because i'm not sure i'm following you here but these uh these words or sounds let me say sounds really that dogs are making are English words, and they're trying to tell us something? Is that what I'm yes. hearing? Okay. Yeah, yes, yes. And the first sample that I ever heard was years ago when I first got into this audio phenomena uh, back in 1997. A man sent me a, I guess it was a schnauzer dog, and it was it was making growling sounds and as it was keeping the ball away from him. And the phrase was, you can't have the little ball that came out of his growling sounds. And I said, man, what is that? And he says, I don't know, but it's there, and you could audibly hear it. What, what do you and mean, I, at regular speed? or, or, or I mean, Yes, yes. Think- well, look, look. I've got to say, um, w- with the audio equipment we have, digital, and I still use magnetic tape for a lot of, of what I, I – I call them audio psychic signals. I, I reach out to – I can capture phrases coming out of – who knows where, not just animals' voice energies, but but uh, I play them forwards and backwards. And if I could play them sideways, I would. But <laughs> but because it's all, to me, it's all about getting as much information as I can. And I don't know if you were able to listen to the two samples I sent in there. I I think a couple of those I've gotten a lot of feedback that they're pretty pretty clear for some people to hear. At least most of them, and especially the ones on the dog that I that was named Pavlov. I mean, it'd be it'd be foolish not to listen to them in yeah, dual direction. No, I, I I do have them, and it reminds me when I was a kid, we would take Stairway to Heaven on vinyl, and we would play it backwards. On the, yes, on, does anybody remember that? Yes. <laughs> well, you know, listen. I'll tell you something about that. Is that it's actually it's a naturally occurring thing in the human uh, voice. And Robert Plant at the tail end of Stairway to Heaven, where he says, "And she's buying a stairway to heaven." David Oates, the re- researcher in Australia, reverse speech guy, which is kind of the, the gateway drug for me to get into this stuff, he points out in the tail end of that song, and I know this is naturally occurring, Robert Plant s- sings out backwards out of that tail end of that song, play backwards, hear words sung. I don't know what it all means, but 
I'm not trying to pin it down or put it in a box, but I do know this much. I've had people send me animal files, and I can pull information out, and a lot of times it's really it's important that the animals want to be heard, and I can I can bring it out and, and relay it, and a lot of times people can hear what I hear too. Okay, so I have a couple of cuts that you sent me. One is the, the Pavlov cut. Okay, what that is is that's right when I walked up to her. I didn't know her name at the time. This, these were new neighbors, but I saw the dog was very high energy, and I purposely psyched myself up, went over there with my digital Panasonic recorder, and I walked up to her, and I said, I made a weird sound, and I kind of pointed out what that did. And I went up to her, and I said, I think I said, you've got a lot of energy, don't you? And she was bouncing around. And if you play that, I do believe it's a pretty clear message where her voice changes. Here's cut number one of Pavlov. What am I supposed to be hearing there? Well, I I know what I hear clearly is they always sail away is how I've always heard it. Let let me hear that one more time. I can hear it. After you say that, I can hear it. Okay. And and what's uh, cut number two of the Pavlov? This is the same. You know what? I'm getting the the signal here that we got to take a break. And so I'll play that right as soon as we come back from the break. We're going to find out what Pavlov is saying up next year on Animal Radio. Stick around. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio. We are with uh, Brian Jones. Wasn't there a Brian Jones in the the Rolling Stones? One of those yes. bands? Yes. Not the same same one. I don't. I actually don't think the one that uh, was in uh, the Rolling Stones is alive anymore. But this one, very much alive. Brian tapes animals and other things. He tapes animals, and he plays their sounds backwards and forwards and at different slow. speeds and finds out what they're saying. He's sort of an audio psychic is what he calls himself. And uh, we're playing with Pavlov here. We, we played one cut before the break. I have cut number two right here. What, uh, what are we listening for? Well, I think, once again, she's referring to they, and, and I'll tell you in a sec what I think that is. But what, And I might have played this one three times and then a, a second set of three times because she was off in the distance and I had to bring the volume up. But what I hear of it is, the, uh, you ought to know they're away. Okay, here it is. I got to ask, does this, uh, what they're saying, does it come to you immediately or does it take a few drinks or? (laughs) I'm not lost here. I got to say, I'm like hearing nothing on that one. You didn't hear anything on that one? No. Okay. Well, then I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I've done a lot of drinking to deal with the frustration of of this thing and, you know, life in general. But, but yeah, it does, I can still, I still have pretty good sensitivity even after a few beers. But, but as far as it goes with Amigo, I heard, I asked the dog what was bothering him. 
And I documented him saying, this is before I knew who even lived in the house. I heard the dog say, where's Sheila? I found out out later that the woman that he belongs to, or did because he's deceased now, her name is Sheila. When I played that for her, because I told her about it, I met her, you know, a couple days later, she pulled in. I said, hey, yeah, uh, did you? I told her about the dog because I, I was pretty impressed with that. Then she tells me her name's Sheila. She got a little spooked. I thought it was, I witnessed enough by then. And uh, she heard that sound file. That woman would not even make eye contact for three years. It's, this is very real. And it's, I think it, it has a lot of potential. But I found out later that her name is Sheila. So, I mean, I'm not. It, I mean, these hallucinations have a benefit if they're taken seriously and with the right openness. But, you know, it's, there's a lot of resistance to it. But I didn't really want to bring that up. But, but I wanted to say that uh, I've, I've had people send me things with their pets that are dying and things. And I've had a lot of people thank me deeply sure. for things I've been able to relay. Absolutely. And this is just one part of the spectrum. I don't really record animals a lot because I've heard hundreds and hundreds of things that, uh, like I said, I don't, I, if I, I've knocked on a lot of doors and now if I could, if I could find serious minded people that would like to collaborate where we could actually put it to use that mattered, it'd be worth the, the time and effort. I think I listen, I'll tell you one other thing. I was walking down a street one time purposely on a break from this sort of thing because of some of the factors I mentioned. I thought I heard a man yelling from inside a house, no one else on the street. I go back and it's this big old uh, English Mastiff with a deep booming voice and a big, huge head. And he's looking at me. He's just going, rrr, 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 looking me right in the eyes. And he, I could tell he needed to tell me something. I said, I was calling him Bowser just off the top of my head. I said, listen, I'm going to come back and record you, but I'm taking a break right now. I finally went back, recorded him for one minute. I went and listened to the digital recording of him. And sure enough, I knew there was some heavy stuff on his heart. I heard him say, death is near makes me tense. And the other phrase in just a few seconds was, bless you for talking. Let me play Amigo here. And what is Amigo saying here? Well, what I have perceived and what I just explained, validating a woman's name coming out of him, what I hear of it is, where's Sheila? If you're playing the first one, I think. Okay, here it is. Sure. I I hear that in there. Uh, What did you do to... I mean, it's obviously been manipulated. Yeah, but, but, well, both of those, those three speeds, but both of those, the, both the Pavlovs and that, they're both dual direction. In other words, where where that phrase, if, you know, as I hear it, and like I said, keep in mind, let's, that people seem to gloss over this. I've run this by so many people, and they say, I, you know, you're just telling me what to hear. I found out later the lady's name was Sheila, but I've been told that one's fairly audible for people to hear. I can't tell which ones others can hear and cannot because I hear a lot. A lot of it's validate, validated by facts after after the recording. Sure. So this Amigo 2? This one's a lot tougher to hear, and there's a puppy in there. But what I hear of it, and it and this may sound like an ego trip on my part, but I really do hear this. I hear, you are my hero, and the and the puppy chimes in at the end. Hmm, okay, here it is. Interesting stuff. Brian, if people want to visit your website, learn more, and perhaps use your services. Yeah, well, hey, listen, I want to, yeah, it's audiomedium.com. And what I want to say is I'm not doing this as a profession. It's too, uh, it's too frustrating and all that. But I will, with serious minds, 
And I mean, serious minds that want to know, I'm not looking for a penny. I'm looking for collaboration sure. because I know how important this can be. And there's a lot to it. But I'm people are welcome to get a hold of me through the email on the on the main page where you see a picture of my cat scroll down. It says contact in big blue letters. You're welcome to email me. And I, like I said, I sincerely would like to take this further. I'm not wanting to waste time. So it's got to be a serious minded person or or organization, whatever it is. Brian, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We do truly appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, I've just been handed a note here. Apparently, if you play the show backwards uh-huh. at a very slow speed, you'll get a message about uh, a message for your animals. I've taped it, and I'm going to play it backwards. <laughs> there you go. Okay. No, nobody. No, no. no. Okay. Bye. Let's get on out of here. I'm ready. <laughs> if you need your fix during the week, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet. Or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.